Attention Northwest Arkansas businesses and talent seekers. Introducing Onboard NWA.com, your hyperlocal job board crafted for our unique community. Struggling to find the perfect match for your job openings? Onboard NWA simplifies the hiring process, connecting you with the region's top talent through tailored talent matching solutions. Whether you're an employer seeking expertise or a professional looking for your next opportunity, Onboard NWA is here for you. Discover more at onboardnwa.com and let's build the future of Northwest Arkansas together. Hello, Northwest Arkansas. Randy here, bringing you a quick word from our sponsor, Signature Bank of Arkansas. Since 2005, Signature Bank has been all about empowering our community with local ownership and top-notch banking services. Signature Bank's roots run deep with assets over a billion dollars, and they're right here in your backyard with branches in Bentonville, Rogers, Springdale, Fayetteville, and now including Harrison and Jonesboro. With a growing family of more than 200 teammates, they're ready to serve you with the warmth only a true community bank can offer. And they've got Banco C, the first bilingual bank in Arkansas, to ensure that banking is for everyone. So give Signature Bank a call at 479-684-3700 or visit Signature.Bank online. Mention you heard about them on the I Am Northwest Arkansas podcast for that personal touch. Signature Bank of Arkansas, big on assets, local at heart, and a proud member of the FDIC and an equal housing lender. It's time for another episode of I Am Northwest Arkansas, the podcast covering the intersection of business, culture, entrepreneurship, and life in general here in the Ozarks. Whether you are considering a move to this area or trying to learn more about the place you call home, we've got something special for you. Here's our host, Randy Wilburn. Hey folks, and welcome to another episode of I Am Northwest Arkansas. I'm your host, Randy Wilburn, and I'm excited to be with you today, as I'm always. Today, I'm sitting down with Brian Crown, who is the owner of George's Majestic Lounge, and I believe you're still vice president of the Walmart Amp, or... Yeah, that's correct. Okay, all right, because I wasn't exactly sure of the title, but when I last looked it up, it was there. So I'm excited because Brian was kind enough to come and speak to my rotary, which is the downtown Fayetteville Rotary. Best Rotary in Northwest Arkansas. Nothing against all the other Rotarians in the area, but I think we do the best job. Anyway, I'm just, I'm messing around. But Brian came and he shared some amazing stories about his career and specifically how the AMP started. And I was really just kind of mesmerized by his storytelling. And I said, I came up to him right away and I said, you know, I'd love to have you on the podcast. Wasn't sure what he was going to say, but he agreed. And less than a week later, he's sitting in front of me here at the Center for Innovation in the Fayetteville Public Library. 
and we are having a conversation. So without further ado, I want to welcome Brian Crown to the I Am Northwest Arkansas podcast. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thank you so much for inviting me. It's a pleasure to be here with you. Absolutely. Absolutely. So listen, I'm not going to make you, we both have gray hairs and all that. I'm not going to make you go back into the annals of time to tell your whole superhero origin story, but <laughs> but why don't we start? Because it seems like in the late 90s, you were, you're a musician. Yes. And you, would, you were traveling around, I think, as I read one article that talked about you, you were traveling around the Florida Riviera doing a lot of playing a lot of joints and doing a lot of a lot of uh, sets. And you came up here, you were here in Northwest Arkansas and, and you had some experiences at George's Majestic Lounge. And then things just kind of evolved from there because that was was that your are you originally from you're from Fort Smith? I grew up in Fort Smith and I came to Fayetteville and played my first show here in late 1989 and the Florida Riviera. I'd spent the year prior to that based out of Pensacola, Florida working the panhandle. And like I said, found my way to Northwest Arkansas. And then I was invited to sit in with a band in late 89 at George's and played their Friday happy hour. That was my first experience with live music in Fayetteville. Yeah. And I remember you, you said something. One of the things I think that you remarked about when I read this particular article was that there was just something about the crowd that really stood out to you. And, and part of it was just the diversity of the crowd, the eclectic nature of the people that were there and, and kind of, I guess, what that represented to you. Is that something that you noticed right away? Yeah, it really struck me that for sure, man. You know, I grew up in Fort Smith and had performed in Florida and, and it seemed like a lot of the places I had played and I was just starting my musical careers, you know, trying to make a living playing saxophone and guitar. But I still remember walking out on the stage there in the old outdoor George's garden and just you nailed it. The diversity of folks that were there, and it's not like necessarily diversity of color. It was just diversity of lifestyles and people. And it still sticks with me today like it was yesterday, and it really resonated with me. It was really cool. It's one of the things that I've always loved about live music, whether I'm performing or the last, you know, 15 plus years, you know, as the guy that's putting on a lot of shows, is live music is such a melting pot for folks just to come and check out, check out a reality, a day-to-day -day reality, and just, you know, get to experience something special together. Yeah, you know, it really is. And I've been, my experience since I've come here, and I'm a huge music fan, and I can go back. I think we all, anybody that has been to a live concert will remember their first concert. My first experience with a concert was the police at Shea Stadium back in the day. Wow. Yeah. And then I also remember one of my, also, what another formidable concert that I experienced was the Joshua Tree when you two, they came to Brendan Byrne Arena in New Jersey, which is right outside of the Meadowlands right outside of New York City, and, and they performed there, and, and I was transformed after that. I mean, it was just a whole different experience. And, but I mean, there's just something about live music events that really sets you off and kind of puts you on a whole different plane. I agree. U2 is one of those bands I haven't had a chance to catch live, but they're on my bucket list. So oh, well, someday. yeah. Well, so, I mean, and, but you've had a chance to catch some really good acts live since you started with the amp. Why don't you kind of walk us through, I mean, obviously... I guess technically George's Majestic Lounge came first. How did you come to become the owner? You and your wife, along with some other folks, own George's Majestic Lounge? Well, my wife and I are the sole owners now. But okay. I had became best friends with the previous owner's son, Ben Harrison, and he and I were roommates for a long time. And his parents, the uh, late Dr. Bill and his mother still alive, Betty Harrison, actually had their first date at George's in the 50s and they bought the place for Mary Hinton. But fast forward, you know, I always had a, felt a kinship with that venue. You know, I've been fortunate to play all over the country and George's was always a, felt like a pretty special room to me. And, you know, I asked them, I said, if you ever decide to get rid of it, I don't know if I can facilitate it, but give me a chance, you know. And they came to me in 03 and said, we're going to sell 
and we wanted you to have first shot at it. And I was blessed to have a, a very dear friend of mine, a lady named Susie Stevens, who's kind of like my second mom. I was able to financially facilitate it because, you know, I had made a living as a musician, which means right. I wasn't a rich guy. <laughs> and I remember telling Susie, you know, if we can pull this off, you know, I may not be able to make it go, but if you're on the dirt, you're never going to lose any money. And uh, so we, my wife and I bought the business from her. And then in 2012, I believe, or 11 or 12, we ended up purchasing the property as well. So, you know, it's uh, I'm uh, going into my 18th year, my three to five year plan for George's. <laughs> and so it's been, a, but it's been a blessing. You know, it's a, a lot of great history there. And, you know, we're in our 95th year in business. And I like to tell people, if my wife and I do our job as owners, we're more like the curators of this generation and it'll be here for somebody else. Right, right. So, yeah. And I was reading that. I, I was reading and I I was doing the math and in my head, it, which, you know, you shouldn't do, but 95 years it's been around. Yeah. And we're the fourth owner. So, I mean, to me, that, I've always resonated with me that only four people have owned that business in almost 100 years, which leads... You know, I think the people that owned it before us cared about it, kind of like we care about it. It's definitely, you know, part of the community. And what was George's claim to fame like back in the 50s or 40s or 30s? Was it just a, was, I don't know, not necessarily a juke joint, but just, I mean, what was, what stood out about it? I think it's probably had, it stood out in different decades for different reasons. You know, always a place that was welcoming. I mean, George Pappas opened it in 27 with his brother and it was a little bit of a general store and railroad cafe. I've been told by some old timers, which I'm closely soon becoming one, I guess, that there were social events there as far back as the 30s. And I know it's had music off and on since the 40s and 50s, but music kind of became a, more of a primary focus from what I understand probably in the early to mid 70s. Yeah. And uh, and then when we got it, you know, I mean, music was my background. I was, a, you know, a, a musician and a, and a writer and a producer, nothing, you know, nothing famous, but, you know. I focused on music because I felt like that's what I, you know, what I knew. Right. And so definitely the last 20 years, you know, it's been about the music and, you know, we don't open if we don't have a concert or special event. We haven't for a decade, you know. So yes, we're a venue that sells alcohol, but we're not your Dixon Street bar that right. opens up. So yeah. So would somebody, would a graduate from the U of A from the 80s and a graduate from the U of A of the 2000s have a different feeling about George's Majestic Lounge? Yeah, I think they would. They would have similar experiences as probably experiencing social and, and live music events in the 80s. But, you know, we kind of became the premier showcase venue for this region for a venue of our size. So hosting everything from, you know, local new artists to, you know, Grammy winners that have came through and performed with us. So I, I guess it's just a fact. I mean, I don't sound like I'm not trying to brag or anything, but we definitely took the concert experience there to a, to another level. So, but I think music would be familiar to both those generations, but definitely of the 2000s and forward, because, you know, we've just, good Lord, I mean, just thousands of shows that I've done over the years. <laughs> I mean, you start to lose, I mean, it blurs after a while, the numbers do. I know I was telling you about the number of podcasts that I've done. And after a while, I look up and I'm like, man, they just, they just blend into each other. So it's kind of hard, but you keep going, you know, you have that desire to bring the best to Northwest Arkansas so people can experience that great talent. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, you know, there's days that I feel like it's a grind and there's days that, that you know, it's just, it's awesome. I'm, I'm sure that's the same with anybody's, what they're doing for, for a living. But, you know, I like to say, uh, I still feel the same way I do when I was a musician. I would tell people my worst day on stage was better than my best day at any day job I had before. And, you know, and I've been blessed to be in the, in the music and event industry for, you know, 34 years now. Yeah. Now, you told, I think you told a story about a young Taylor Swift. Was she performing at George's Majestic Lounge or was she performing at the Amp? 
No, she's not performing the amp. When she was first coming out, they her agent reached out and she wanted to play George's. Okay. And at the time, I thought, you know, her target fan base is probably 13 to 15 years old, and that's probably not going to be the right place. And I actually sent them to a friend of mine that was her dad was putting on concerts on top of Mount Sequoia. And the first time she came through, did an acoustic show, was at the old Methodist camp up on top of Mount Sequoia. And the next time she came through Fayetteville, she played the track center to a sold out show with about 8,500 people. And now if she ever comes back to Northwest Arkansas, it'll probably be Razorback Stadium because it, you know, even, oh, yeah. even the Easily. amp, we, we can't make enough money and tickets to pay her. Oh, man. Well, you would hope, I mean, has, because I know we've got Garth Brooks coming this spring. Razorback Stadium. Yes. Right. To Razorback Stadium. Is he going to be the biggest act that has come and performed at Razorback Stadium that you're aware of? Publicly, it'll be that, to my knowledge, it'll be the first public concert that's been in Razorback Stadium. Okay. The only one that happened prior was probably about, golly, 10 years ago, I think, during Walmart shareholders meeting. They had uh, Buffett and Carrie Underwood and Keith Urban played, but that was just for shareholders. Yeah, so it wasn't open to the public. No, and it's de- it'll definitely be the most tickets it's ever sold for a concert. In I'm, Arkansas sure. And some, I'm sure. Seventy-five thousand tickets. Yeah, that's going to be exciting to see. So yeah, maybe 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 she will come back. And do you keep in touch with her agent, or do you not really? Nah, not no. hers. I mean, I shouldn't say that. I mean, agents represent a lot of artists, so I might be in touch with them and Just, don't even realize. Right, it. Right, right. That's interesting. Yeah, I I think uh, she has a very interesting story and in everything about you know her back catalog of music and what she has done in the recent past to kind of take her take control of her own destiny has been pretty interesting to say the least. Yeah, it's been interesting. One thing that's intrigued me about her since she first started out is that, you know, she writes her own music and, you know, and, and she never claimed to be the best singer, but she really was a I think a very talented writer and obviously a really cool performer as well. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well there's a lot of young ladies out there that she has been a, an extremely large role model for so indeed uh, yeah. carried herself well yeah absolutely so so how did you you decided at some point and i'm just trying to think of the whole the process here at, at some point did you say you know what i need bigger places i need bigger venues to hold to have concerts how did the whole amp thing come about how did you decide to do that well the amp came about not because i decided to i guess i decided to when we bought it from the previous owners but like I said, at, the, at Rotary, you know, the, the AMP was the brainchild of a, of a gentleman named Dan White, who was Tyson executive at the time. And uh, we actually hosted a Tyson sales event at George's and uh, the whole place was rented out. It was, you know, tour buses showing up, dropping off salesmen. And I was out on Dixon Street with Don Tyson directing traffic. Anyway, became friends with Dan and he started hanging out on Fridays and we would chat. And he talked about missing the summer concerts he used to watch when he grew up in upstate New York. And so he put together a group and they bought this big tent and, and uh, they opened Arkansas Music Pavilion, which is what AMP stands for, in uh, June of 2015, excuse me, June of 2005. And uh, I actually booked the very first show. It's kind of interesting that I'm still around with the Doobie Brothers and my band Oreo Blue at the time opened the show. And then fast forward, he uh, took a job with Coke. So he's an executive in Atlanta. And in 2007, I believe he reached out to him. He says, hey, man, you, you ought to buy the AMP from us. And I'm and at the time, you saying look for bigger places. Yes, George's was only has so much capacity, and the artist outgrows me. I had done some shows at the Fayetteville Town Center, and uh, I said, "Man, I don't. What am I? I don't need to own a big tent." But I met with him. And I looked at the numbers, and I thought, you know, there might be a little room for improvement. Maybe I can give it a go. And and uh, so our friend Susie Stevens again, her and I, my wife, purchased the amp assets and brands because it was kind of a natural growth project cycle for me as a promoter. 
it's weird saying promoter because that used to be a dirty word, but right. you know, <laughs> yeah. uh, so opportunity to grow, to grow with artists. They start in my front room, they go to the back room at George's and then we grow them bigger. And uh, yeah, in 2008, you know, I, I thought I had it figured out and we signed the deal to buy a tent and that was when we entered the great recessions and banks were going under and and I, I thoroughly convinced myself, I think I had a nervous breakdown that summer and thought I'd bankrupt my family for, you know, pushing too hard. And I don't know how much money we lost that first year and the second year we broke even. And the, and the third year we had the amp, I, I think I made lunch money. But through that whole process, you know, we were able to bring new artists to Northwest Arkansas and kind of help get it on the map. So, yeah, growth, I guess a long answer to a short question was growth opportunity as a promoter. Yeah. And uh, trying to be, you know, at that time kind of one-stop shop in Northwest Arkansas. An agent and an artist can have a relationship with me in a laddered approach. Yeah. Well, I, I like, I mean, I don't know. I don't look at it even as luck for you that you were able to stumble upon another great opportunity. The first time you basically asked for the first right of refusal and you said, hey, if you ever decide to sell, let me know, which I always tell people all the time. It never hurts to say that to somebody if you're interested in a house or a business or whatever, because you just never know when you might get that call. And somebody says to you, hey, are you interested in buying? I'm going to give you the first chance or first crack at it. And you never actually communicated that to the own, the former owner of the amp before. Did he just reach out to you? He reached out to me, but we'd stayed in touch. You know, yeah. he's you know somebody that I still consider to be a friend. And I think he was living in Atlanta. He wanted to offload an asset and knew that he wasn't going to be, be able to be here to take care of it like it was before. And I was probably just the natural choice. Hey, if somebody in Northwest Arkansas might want to do this, <laughs> right. I'm going to give Crown a call and yeah. give him the first shot, even though I, I didn't ask for first right on that. I was just the one that probably made the most sense. Yeah. And you're definitely right, man. I tell people all the time, you know, life is full of opportunities and, you know, and, and it's what you make of them sometimes would help you end up wherever you're going to end up in life. And, and I've, yeah. I've been blessed to have some, you know, some cool opportunity put in front of me. Yeah, you know, and it's so funny. And I mean, just not to go off on a tangent, but a lot of people were asking me, well, how did you get so-and-so to be on your podcast or so-and-so? And I'm like, I just asked. I mean, it's like all they could do. You know, I was sitting there having lunch as you were talking. And I was like, I, I need to ask this guy. And then I, at first, part of me was like, ah, he doesn't have time. He's going to tell you no or whatever. And then I just came up to ask you. And you were like, sure. And then by that end of that afternoon, we already had this book. So. Yeah, it was fun, man. I mean, and it was. It's, I was invited to speak at Rotary years ago and I didn't do it for some reason, but I really, really enjoyed it. And Met some really cool people there, you being one of them. And, you know, you're an easy person to say yes to because I just thought, yeah, it's probably going to be a fun conversation. Right, right, right. Well, no, I appreciate that. So, so you start out with, you start out, the, the amp starts out in 2005, literally a tent. And in my mind, I'm looking at this tent and I'm thinking one of those big white tents that uh, you have to, um, I mean, storage and everything else. I mean, you've got to put it somewhere when you're not using it. That's the first question I asked my friend Dan. I go, I go. Where do you put all of it? It was a twenty-two thousand square foot tent that looked like a flying saucer. It was really a, a pretty incredible, unique structure. They still make that saddle span tent to this day, and they use them around the world. But the first question I asked him, I said, "Where do you put everything?" And he said, "Well, we've got this great sponsor, a great partner, Rick Whittle with Whittle Truck Sales, and everything got folded up and put in seven semi trailers for the off season." Not that okay. Well, you're not pay paying for a warehouse. There's one good check. There's a pro. Right, right. And it just kind of went from there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, did you originally when you, when you took it over? Did you think, hey, you know what? This will be great here. Or did you did you envision what we see today when you ride down? And for those of you that are listening to this, because of course, Brian, we have a lot of listeners that are thinking about moving to Northwest Arkansas, haven't quite come here yet, or maybe they have visited on a job visit or you know a relocation trip. 
But, um, you know, if you, if you see it, you can't miss it. You ride through Rogers as soon as you leave Bentonville and you ride through Rogers, you're going to see on, on one side of the highway of I-49, you're going to see a huge top golf facility. And right next to that facility, which is a great marker, by the way, now is the Walmart amp, which is now what it's called. Did you originally plan to keep it in Fayetteville before moving it up to Rogers? Well, first of all, no, I never dreamed of what we have right now. <laughs> uh, and we originally had intended to stay in Fayetteville, even after you know, the Walton Art Center purchased the AMP brand and assets from us with the intent to try to build at the mall where we're at. So, you know, it when we found ourselves not able to stay at the mall, you know, homeless, as to, so to speak, with a big tent, we had the opportunity to build in Rogers. And when we had that opportunity to build there with kind, generous donation from Mrs. Hunt and her family, we were able to dream a little bit bigger than we were originally. You know, so blessings in disguise on that one. You know, it was just, once again, talking about opportunity. Yeah. Uh, you know, we were looking for a place to pop a tent and asked uh, about setting one up behind Pinnacle Mall and then, you know, met Mrs. Hunt and she said, would you consider building here? And it was like, holy cow, well, we're going to have to rethink this. <laughs> you know, so what was going to be a, a $1.5 million project, you know, grew into a $12 million build and it's something I never dreamed of as well as, you know, I found myself working with the architects, helping design the venue and, and, you know, the old musician in me thought, man, what am I doing helping design a venue? But yeah, it's a, it's pretty special. You know, you talk about people thinking about moving to Northwest Arkansas. I've been saying this a lot. I don't know if I said it at Rotary the other day, but I tell people, I describe it as a small town vibe with world-class amenities and every level, whether it's arts, culinary, entertainment, culture, education, cost of living is, is incredible here. It's a pretty special place. And, uh, you know, having, you know, I would have never dreamed Northwest Arkansas would grow the way it has. So it's been pretty cool to be along for the ride so far. No, absolutely. And so you, just for people's timeline, the AMP started in, in 05. You took it over in 07. In 08. 08. And endured it at the worst time ever. For those of you that don't remember, there was a, there was a little bit of a financial backspin that we all took and we all felt. And it was rough, akin to the pandemic, but different. It's hard to explain, but it was yep. just different. And you saw it, you stewarded I would like to say you stored at the AMP through that, and then opportunities presented themselves for you guys to relocate up to Rogers, and then you've built this beautiful facility now, and, and uh, you've, even, you've even come to the place where you guys just did kind of a, not a rehab, but you just did some upgrades to it recently, right? Yeah, we, we did a $17 million expansion, and it really wasn't to add capacity. We added about 1,000 capacity to the whole building. We had an opportunity to invest in a, in a wonderful facility by adding a lot of plaza space, more restrooms, more concessions, and we were able, also able to add a new artist wing backstage. So we got to invest in the patrons and the and the artists as well at the same time. Yeah, I've actually been I've been to the amp for one event, and it was a glorious event. I got to see Santana, and I sat right next to Miss Hunt's box, and so you know where that's, yeah, I know yeah, right where yeah, exactly. So because somebody said. That's Miss Hunt's box right there. I was in the Tyson box and I was I was sitting right next to Miss Hunt's box and I was like, wow, this is this is pretty nice. And and uh it was uh first of all, Santana's one of my favorite performers and uh he put on a show. I mean, it was outstanding. Yeah, I, I remember it like it was last like last <laughs> night, man. Uh, one of my favorite artists as well. And I didn't know what to expect. I mean, I knew it was gonna be good, but my goodness, how good it was. It yeah. just, the weather was beautiful that night and his band was phenomenal, and he was just a his whole band and crew. They were just class act, man. 
got to see one of the top drummers in the world and his wife. I mean, she, Man, she's a she, beast. She is Dang. outstanding. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, if you know about drummers and I mean, just I mean, she is uh, and her name is escaping me right now, but she is all that and then some. So, I mean, it, it was uh, it was glorious to see her riff for, for a period there. And it was just it was really, really, really a phenomenal concert all the way around. I would say the experience that I had, I got to go to a tent because, again, I was hanging out with some Tyson folks and they really treated me well there. And, and they took me to a tent where there was just uh, wonderful food, just an assortment of drinks. I mean, it was yep. just it was just a good experience. That's, so, our, that's yeah. our Lando Lake sponsor lounge. Right. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, uh, that's a hundred foot tent, uh, you know, uh, house left, stage right. We, I appreciate that you enjoyed those amenities because that's that's something that you know we've put a lot of a lot of effort and, and heart into having folks that are, you know come into that space with us have a great experience. Yeah, and and I will say this too, and I I didn't get to experience the lawn, but even the sight lines at the lawn on the on the lawn part of of the amp are amazing, and uh, it's just I mean you there's not a bad seat in the house. Yeah, you you took the words right out of my mouth, man. It's uh. It's, there's not. It's not a bad seat in the house. And, uh, you know, we've also invested in our outfield speakers, our lawn delays. So, you know, the audio coverage all over the building is is, is really good, too. Yeah, that's exciting. So, um, you know, it's hard to I mean, there's so many directions I'd love to go. But I, I want to talk about a couple of things. One, uh, obviously, you know, with you guys are in a prime location now with real estate growing the way that it is in Northwest Arkansas. I mean, dirt is expensive. And so you, you're in a prime location. Um, do you, do you ever see yourself outgrowing what you have right now? Or, or is that not, I mean, is it, is, is what you have right now sufficient for what, where we see Northwest Arkansas going in the near future? I don't. I know. I don't see us uh, outgrowing that. I mean, we put a lot of thought into what size venue we thought Northwest Arkansas needed at the time and will need. Yeah. And you know, twenty thousand cap was probably the twenty to thirty year old model around the country. You know, ten eleven thousand cap, which is where we're at. We felt like it was the right size for this market, and we still feel that way. Yeah. I think if something goes past us, it's probably going to be an indoor arena. Some acts don't play outside. Some do. A Razorback Stadium. So I think our, we're not quite a be, what would be considered a boutique amphitheater in the industry at probably about 7,000 cap. And we're not a large one, you know, at fifteen or 20,000. Uh, so I see us as being the right size. And, you know, th- there's, you know, a few times where I wish I could sell about 2,000 more tickets so I could get a little more money to pay this artist. But, right. You know, I, I, I think we're the I think we're the right size for the market. And as the market grows, you know, I you know, like Garth Brooks playing Razorback Stadium. I mean, you know, you could, he's playing in the round of 75,000 people, but you could also play out of the south end zone, uh, you know, and scale to, you know, 25, 35, 45,000 go up. So there really is kind of another op- a venue option there in Northwest Arkansas with, with the stadium as well. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, when you think of it, and I remember um, recently, and this was just probably, you know, during the pandemic, because I, I would imagine, I, I want to ask you about that in a second, but I remember it was a rainy night and um, I was very disappointed that I didn't have tickets for Dave Matthews because I've seen Dave Matthews in some amazing uh, venues and he's he they put on a great concert and it was raining profusely. But I talked to several people that went to that concert and they said it was a great, great show, even with the with the torrential rain that was coming down. Uh, people had a really good time uh, at that particular uh, show. Yeah, that one. Uh, if that was when he came in 15 was the first time we had him. And- right. 
I got introduced to him when I was dating my wife 20 years ago, and I took her to Memphis in May, and we got to see him. But <laughs> yeah, that rain came in toward the end of his show and his encore of uh, Watchtower from Hendrix. Or, I guess, you know, is that Hendrix or Dylan wrote that song? But anyway. Uh, well, Hendrix played it the best. I oh, think, well, so. no, no, there's no no question yeah. of that. But anyway. <laughs> so. uh, yeah, you know, it's, it's been, there's been some, that was a, a biblical scale rain that came it was. in. But it, fortunately, it wasn't lightning and it was still safe. And yeah. I think it may have just added to the experience of those folks that were on the lawn because, you know, they were just, Dave just owned a man in a good way. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, and I, I, several of my friends that went, they were like, it was amazing. The concert, everything was great. They weren't sure what to expect, but they said everybody was really helpful. And I must say that the staff that you guys put, that you guys have there, Again, keeping in mind that they don't work technically year round because there's there are times when the the amp isn't open for business, right? I mean, it's yeah. The, you know, we we have core full time staff, but you know, when we have a let's say we have a sold out show, we could be employing anywhere from four to five hundred people on that day, and probably you know ninety five percent of those are part time folks. Whether it's front of house ushers, whether it's ticket takers, it's stage crew. And I appreciate you saying you've had a good experience because, you know, I really feel that we've built the brand of the AMP regionally and nationally in the industry by the way we treat people. You know, it's with hospitality and with professionalism, and we never get complacent from a, that standpoint at all. Yeah. No, it, it, it's not like, you know, it's just been a really good experience every time that I've I've been to the – or what I've experienced at the AMP has been a really good experience. Now, how did you guys – I mean, how did the pandemic redefine what you guys have been doing with the amp, with everything that was going on? That's a good question. <laughs> you know, uh, it started with a, you know, a gut check. Absolutely. And uh, for everybody around yeah. the world, you know, as we're still coming out of it. I don't know if it, you know, I'm going to speak for me. I won't speak for just the whole organization, but, you know, it was, it was surreal to say the least. Yeah. You know, it was, it was scary because you don't know. Are you going to be able to make it to the other side, you know, financially, physically? You know, for me, having live entertainment and live events and gatherings taken away from us for so long, it just, it put it in my mind how it made me realize and appreciate even more how important, you know, live music and arts and culture are to our overall mental health, our overall health and well-being. So we didn't redefine us, but it made me even more proud of what we do and the commitment I think even had more resolve for myself and everybody in our organization to get through it, to be here on the other side of the pandemic, to provide what we provided in Northwest Arkansas. And even in, you know, I believe it was uh, uh, September of 2020, we started doing a happy hour concert series in the new Choctaw Plaza on the north side. You know, I reached out to part of our Ghost Light Recovery campaign. I reached out to a lot of regional bands that I worked with at Georgia's and they came through and, and played for basically about, you know, a nickel on the dollar of what they normally would to help us raise money to keep the organization going. So that was interesting. You know, once again, I'm, I'm giving you a rambling answer to a, a short question, but not redefining this. What was kind of fun is I was able to look at the amp as what kind of venues are inside a venue. Yeah. So you take that new North Plaza and we could set it up and do this cool club style happy hour show. And I yeah. was able to put bands back to work and put people back to work. So, uh, I don't say it didn't redefine us, but it it made our resolve even even more to make sure that we're going to be here on the other side to do what we do best. Man, listen, I think in general with the pandemic, I mean, I, I granted, I understand how devastating it has been for the world, period, let alone the United States and the number of people that passed away here or died of, uh, due to COVID-19. But, you know, I think the resolve of Americans as a whole has been tested and, and we've shown our mettle through this whole pandemic. And- you know, when I think of things like I, I remember that, you know, looking at the 
everybody got to a place where they got creative about how they dealt with the situation. You know, I think of like the Tiny Desk concert series, which was phenomenal, by the way. I don't know if you've got a chance to see any of those yeah, videos I'm familiar online. With it, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I just, I just saw, especially for musicians and for artists, a, a way of not losing their connection with their audience. And of course, you know, like you said, live concerts are huge. And I've been reading where 2022 is going to be big, but they, they're saying 23 and 24 are going to be huge years for concerts because everybody's trying to get back on the road and, and get out there. So I can only imagine that you're, you're just trying to figure out how you can fill up the calendar. Oh, I'm not trying to figure out how I can fill it up. I'm trying to figure out how not to have it 100% full. <laughs> I feel like an air traffic controller drinking water from a fire hose right now. Really? In the amp world, yeah. I mean, yeah. We, got, we got 33 confirmed concerts this year. It's already a record. But but you're right. More people are getting back on the road. And it really was cool watching artists of all types find a way to stay connected to their fan base, to f- stay connected to their sanity. <laughs> I yeah. mean, you know, it's uh, and some of those things are still, you know, I think people are still using some of those new ways to connect, uh, which is, you know, it's cool. And I agree with you. I, you know, I, I think that we showed our, showed our medal as a country, and it was good to see generally the better part of humanity than the, than the other side of it, sure. it as well. Sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. So what are Brian Crown's hopes for the future? Oh, man. You know, first and foremost, you know, God's blessed me with a, an amazing wife and two beautiful sons. That's awesome. I start every day just so simple, you know, I thank God for those blessings. And, you know, so, you know, that uh, sounds cliche, but it's real. You know, that's that's what motivates me. It's family and people I care about and community. So what are my hopes and dreams? You know, my hopes and dreams are that, you know, my family stays healthy and I get to keep doing, you know, something that, you know, I love. And that's bringing people together to help them smile and help them have a good time. And I had gave an interview about George's right before the shutdown in 2020. And, and uh, I still remember the last question that young journalist asked me, they said, you know, you know, what, what do you want for the future of George's? And it was like quick, man, relevance. Yeah. You know, I, I don't want to be running a legacy business and be, get complacent. And as long as, you know, I'm, I want relevance for George's. I want relevance for live music. I want to maintain relevance for the Walton Art Center and Walmart Amp. So, you know, that's kind of what my hopes and dreams are to, you know, it's the starts with my family. I want them healthy and safe and still putting up with me. Yeah. And uh, just, you know, I think uh, never be complacent and, uh, you know, and just appreciate the simple things and get to do the cool things. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Brian, you really, you nailed it on the head for sure. And you've done great work with both George's Majestic Lounge and the AMP, the Walmart AMP. And, you know, it is it's not easy doing what you're doing, especially when you, you deal with so many different moving parts with live performances. And that's the thing about it, because I had a friend that was a roadie and he told me everything that went into moving it from one city to the next and all the logistics. And I it just made my head spin. But I mean, just doing what you do on a, on a day in and day out basis, I certainly commend you and your wife and, and, and the rest of the team that keeps things going and keeps live music relevant here in Northwest Arkansas. So I just want to say personally, thank you for all that you're doing. And and uh, I want to encourage people that are listening to this. If you want to check out a great venue, you need to go to George's Majestic Lounge right down on Dixon. And then certainly any event that you see uh, online for the Walmart amp that uh, you can buy tickets for, you should definitely do that. I know there's a Black Panther event happening or just happened? No, it's coming up. Actually, it's going to be our first event this year that's public uh, April 15th. Okay. Uh, we're actually going to show the movie The Black Panther on a huge video screen above an orchestra that's going to be playing the, the, the soundtrack and score live. 
Now, Sona, is that Sona playing or? Uh, it'll be a bulk of it will be Sona. Sona. Yes. Okay. But I'm not sure if it's going to be a hundred percent them or not, but that's a pretty neat symphonic event. We've done that with Harry Potter and Star Wars. And I saw this, the Star Wars one I had some friends go to and they said it was in, insanely good. So it was really cool. And yeah. you know, it's a trip for me. It's like you start, you watch it. I, I don't, my wife and kids went to that one. But what's interesting when you see, when you're watching the movie, you're watching the orchestra, then all of a sudden you kind of forget they're playing it live at the same time. So, right. Yeah, that's it's a neat deal. That's awesome. So, well, listen, I will wait like a lot of us will with bated breath to see what is announced for 23 and beyond, because I'm sure there's going to be some other amazing act that are going to end up here at the AMP. And you've got, like you said, a full slate for 2022. So I want to encourage everybody to to check out the website, whatever isn't sold out, you need to get some tickets to to go see a show. And remember, you're not only supporting George and, and what he's doing, but you're supporting all those people that work for George, work with George on a regular basis. And in the same way that we've been supporting our local restaurants and other service organizations, the AMP falls under that umbrella. And so we really appreciate all the hard work that you're putting in to make things happen and to create opportunities for people to have a good paying job where they can go and have some fun and, and give back to the community at the same time. Well, I appreciate it. Yeah, it's definitely, you know, having George's is kind of like the, the home base, but you're right. You know, it's a ripple effect in the in the economy and, and uh, you know, excited to be doing it. And if you're interested in tickets to Walmart AMP, you can go to amptickets.com. And if you're interested in, in events and tickets that are happening at George's, you can go to georgeslive.com. Yeah. And I'll make sure all of that's on the, on the, um, the show notes so that you guys know where to go. You can just click the show notes no matter what podcast platform you're listening to this on and uh, just check out that information and click on the link right there and, and check out everything that's happening at George's Majestic Lounge or at the Walmart Amp. So And support, you know, support arts, culture and live entertainment in general all over Northwest Arkansas. I mean, I'm you know, I'm I'm proud of those two buildings that I have something to do with, but there's a lot of a lot of great stuff happening regionally too. Yeah, no, you look around. I mean, there there are some. I mean, Ludacris, Snoop Dogg. I mean, there's some big people coming to Northwest Arkansas that you know I've been told by people that have been here for a long time that said a lot of those people never stopped in this area, and and so you're seeing a lot more activity from that perspective. Yeah, I like to think that Walmart Amp has had a big part of putting Northwest Arkansas on everybody's radar in that world. You know, whether it was you know Janet Jackson to the artists you're just talking about, right. It's pretty crazy. I, yeah. wor- I work with one guy that, one of my Live Nation partners, and he likes to tell people, if I could buy stock in Northwest Arkansas, I'd invest everything I have in it. <laughs> Listen, I feel like that, and I'm doubling down. That's why I do this podcast on a regular basis and bring amazing people like you on. So, Brian, thank you so much for spending a little bit of time with us today and with the uh, I Am Northwest Arkansas audience. Once again, appreciate you having me, man. It's been fun. Absolutely. Well, folks, there you have it. Another episode of I Am Northwest Arkansas. I hope you enjoyed it. Brian is a great guy, and and really what you see is what you get. So I would encourage you, check him out, support what he's doing at both George's Majestic Lounge and the Walmart Amp. If you have any questions, you can also check out the show notes on the website, IamNorthwestArkansas.com. Remember, our episode comes out every Monday, rain or shine. So we appreciate you guys, and we'll see you right here next week. Peace. We hope you enjoyed this episode of I Am Northwest Arkansas. Check us out each and every week, available anywhere that great podcasts can be found. For show notes or more information on becoming a guest, visit IamNorthwestArkansas.com. We'll see you next week on I Am Northwest Arkansas.